Listener Production. Hello and welcome to That's Enough Already with me, Ursula Carlson. And my guest this week is Tom Gleason. He's a comedian, he's star of ABC's Hard Quiz and... Who can forget, he's a Gold Logie winner. I mean, he only cracked on about that for a while. So Tom is touring Hard Quiz Live all around Australia and he's going to Brisbane, Hobart, Newcastle, Perth. You can get tickets at comedy.com.au. And in this podcast, we're going to talk about how Tom is my most low-maintenance friend and why we love each other and our son's weird obsession with camouflage and anything Army-related. And does he deserve a second Logie? We'll talk about that. And how his favourite pastime involves watching families read menus outside restaurants, but I'll let him explain that one. Enjoy the show. That's quite enough. Just shut your mouth. I don't give a stuff. Shush, please. Yes, I can hear. But I don't care. That's enough already. Shut up. Oh, shush. Tom Gleason, how are you? I'm great. I haven't talked to you for ages. I know. I mean, you know, that's kind of the beauty of our our relationship. Like yeah. when I see you, we're friendly, yeah. um, but we don't need to rely on regular calls or yeah. shows together or anything, <laughs> and that's perfect. That's how I prefer it. Yeah, I think I've never sent you a text. Yes. And, and you know what? I've never missed it. Yeah. I've never sent you one. And I've never, this is great. I, 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 I never walk around thinking, oh dear, I haven't heard from Ursula in a while. How amazing <laughs> is that? That's the kind of low maintenance shit I'm here for. Where are you? You're rural, aren't you? Yeah, I live in um, a town called Romsey. It's in the Macedon Ranges, which is one hour yeah. north of Melbourne. Yeah. And it has the honour of being the coldest non alpine region in Australia. So it has. All the joys of the snow without the snow. <laughs> wow, what a lucky guy. So if guy. you hate skiing but yeah. love freezing your ass off, this is a great place to be. <laughs> so basically <laughs> the place is packed with um, wall-to-wall menopausal woman is what you're telling yeah, me. That's right. Yeah. It's, got a, it's got a weird air of aggression to it. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's a bit angry but they all yeah. don't like skiing so they can't ski to take the edge off. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> I, like, you, I just took my kids to Queenstown and people go, do you ski? No. Do you snowboard? No. Oh, why not? Bitch, I grew up in Africa. Like we don't <laughs> fucking ski. Yeah. Oh, I can fight you. But I don't ski. Yeah. Do you ski? I can ski, yeah. I um, I was lucky because my older sister is a pharmacist and she was the resident pharmacist at Threadbow in um, the Snowy Mountains in oh. New South Wales. So I went and spent a whole school holidays with her when I was like 15, perfect age. So yeah. I just learned how to ski. I did one lesson and then me yeah. and my mate abandoned the lesson the next day and just started skiing all the black runs. So we were, we were fearless and stupid. Yeah. We, it, and in fact, I went another time with my brother during the time that my sister was there and we were skiing up and down the mountain so many times. We got to know all the runs. We were getting bored. I know that sounds, we were getting bored skiing. Yeah. That's how much, there was so much skiing, we were, we were getting bored and we knew all the runs. So we started to um, ski down the runs without the stocks, give that a go, like yeah. you're skating. But then my brother, he got really excited because he realised, this is my younger brother, and he realised that there were these ready-made snowballs by the edge of the ski run. Yeah. And those ready-made, th- those ready-made snowballs were actually blocks of ice yeah, because they, they'd frozen overnight. And he picked up a block of ice, threw it in my head. It's like throwing a rock. Yeah. And it absolutely knocked me off my <laughs> skis. Yeah. And I was so angry at him and he didn't ha- wasn't showing any remorse. Bastard. Because he's like, oh, whatever. And I was really hurt. So on the ski lift on the way up, 
I, I said, you know what it felt like? And he's like, what? And I got the bar on the ski bar and I banged it into his forehead so he understood. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is what it felt like, mate, smack. And then he was crying. I'm like, now you get it. <laughs> how, many, how many are there of you? How many kids are you and where do you fit in? So there's, I'm one of five. I have an, two older sisters, an older brother and a younger brother. So oh, two okay. brothers, two sisters, one of nice. five. Yeah. Because I like to look for the common denominator, right? Like with a lot of comedians, a lot of them are either the youngest or a big chunk of us went to boarding school. So you're not <laughs> the youngest. Did you go to boarding school? Yes. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> but Did also you? I was the second youngest. Yeah. So from the top, uh, we're all two years apart, like the Catholic planned family kind of, like yeah. two yeah. years because your mum would years. only let your dad touch her again after a year and somewhat. That's right, yeah. About, <laughs> yeah that's how yeah. long it took to heal probably. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two years, two years, two years, then me, and then we always joked that my younger brother was a surprise. So he was yeah. he's three and a half years younger than me. So I did uh-huh. have I did have three and a half years of being the youngest and maybe. doted upon, and then it was taken away from me. So maybe oh, that bastard maybe. who threw a rocket your fucking head. <laughs> so maybe that's just, it. But I did go to boarding yeah. school as well. I went there when I was eleven. Uh, when did you start doing comedy? Uh, Nineteen ninety-six. So I've been doing it a long time. I started. I was the baby on the scene when I, when I started. I was like nineteen. Wow. Believe it or not, I was the kid genius, and uh, <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but I think that lasted all of four years because I, I was. For, I, I looked like I was really young and and way. Ex- way more confident than my years would suggest, and then I suddenly looked 40. So it, it was all <laughs> taken away. And I, you know, from about 27 onwards I've looked 40, so I just suddenly yeah. looked like an incompetent 40-year-old. <laughs> yeah. But now you'll just always look 40. Like yeah. people, you you just, because you've not changed since no. I started doing, since I met you like say 10, 11 years ago, you've always looked exactly like this yeah. and you will always look like this. Well, my plan is I think I'm going to try to look 40 for about, Probably for about 50 years, yeah. <laughs> if I can string I, it out. I think you can nail it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 27 I, to about 77, I could look 40. I could do that, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then you'll <laughs> just have like like a little wispy beard the last few years and then go, he was just ageless. <laughs> Always. <laughs> that's how people will talk. It's yeah. just the, your, your glasses will change on frame. Yes, that's, that's about it. it. Yeah. yeah. But I've been doing it such a long time, I... It's the only job I've really had. People often say, yeah. "What?" Because m- most comedians had a, an actual job or a career. That my yeah. career never started. I was, I was tutoring maths like just high school kids to get me through uni, and I started comedy while I was at uni. And by the time I graduated, it was pretty clear that's what I was going to do. So, in a weird way, um, I defy a lot of ideas about comedy because it's often they say, you know, you need life experience to draw upon. But in theory, yeah. I've, I've been a comedian the whole, all the way through. And uh, I don't remember not being a comedian, but yeah. somehow I still come across as some ordinary everyday person, but I've been on planes for 25 years and staying in nice yeah. hotel rooms. <laughs> I just don't do routines about nice hotel rooms. Maybe that's the trick. At home, I'll use the same towel for a week because I've got a towel, yeah. heated towel rail, so it'll dry out. This, time. but in a hotel, fuck, I touch it once, it's on the floor. I need a new one. <laughs> I know because I have that little sign that says uh, we are interested in looking after the environment. So if you could please yeah. place your towel back on the towel rack, it'll save 
however much water. But that's just a yeah. sneak, sneaky way of them saying, we can't be bothered washing our towels. Yeah. Please yeah. please use your t- uh, towel more than once. But I'm like, yeah. nah, I've paid for this. On the floor yeah. with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll use, a, I'll use a towel just to wipe the corners of my mouth and then I'll chuck it on the floor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll just look at a towel dirty and go, not today, bitch. And chuck it on the floor. <laughs> like, oh, two trees down, two trees down. I don't care. Yeah. Like at home, at home I've got a compost heap. I've got all of that shit, but I'm not doing it. Yeah. You I, might, you might it, be like me yeah. when I, I have my children at hotels all the time. And so I, I'm constantly trying to remind them that it's a privilege or that they're lucky. Yeah. And it just doesn't work. No, I I, yeah. I try it too. I say all of your friends at school, I reckon most of them have never stayed in a hotel. Yeah. And some of them have stayed in a hotel a couple of times. Yeah. So this is really unusual. And then they'll be like, yeah, we understand, Dad, and then we'll order room service and they'll complain that the burgers got mayonnaise on it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I also think, the, you know, the flips, I'm like, you know, like I grew up with nothing and now I don't give them everything their eyes see but basically. Yeah. I'm a bit the same. I grew up on a farm and then the, uh, my parents went bankrupt and the farm was sold, yeah. repossessed by the bank. So yeah. I essentially grew up with nothing from that age and so I never borrowed a cent from my parents because I couldn't. So yeah. part of me feels a bit the same way. I am really looking forward to there being an inheritance of some description after I'm gone. Yeah. Whereas, you know, because I've just had to do it all myself. So yeah. I, I'm quite, you know, people talk about, oh, you know, the kids have to earn it. If I could give my kids an apartment, I'd be so happy to be able to do that. Yeah. And I, and I, and if it makes them turn out a bit privileged, ah, oh, fuck it, it's worth it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and also what would you prefer? Would you prefer your children to have a sound financial base and be up themselves yeah. Or make them start at zero and go, wow, they're really nice people, but they got fuck all. So, yeah. I mean, it's like, oh, that's a bit tough. I'd, yeah. I'll risk them being up themselves. We just found this this app um, and it's linked to like, a, like an account, right? And then there's chores on the app. You can load the chores on there that you want and then put prices for it. So say every time they make their bed, it's 50 cents. If they pick up dog shit, it's $5. They've yet to earn a $5. Oh, wow. And it comes with a bank card. Yeah. And they can then go and spend that money. And that has been really, really good. Yeah. Does it does it destroy uh, the concept of a favour? Like can you just take this glass to the kitchen for me? Oh, no. That's, that's no, because it's not listed as a chore on the app. Oh, okay. So yeah. now you should work around the app. You should be like, yeah. can you can you uh, do me a favour and take this glass and instead of putting it on the bench, um, just put it uh, in the dishwasher on the shelf of the dishwasher, which is not yeah. packing the dishwasher strictly speaking. Yeah, you don't need and to close the door. And then can you come back door. and do it over and over again with all these, <laughs> with all, all this cut, all this cutlery and, and crockery. So we try to go, you know, as as good LGBT members of you know try to be. Gender neutral. We're going gender neutral. We're not going to tell them what gender, you know, they have to decide for themselves. We're not going to put any of the straight bullshit on them and let yeah. them. I tell you what, she came out pink as fucking anything just from I think the first minute she could point. It was at a Barbie doll. Yeah. It was just ballet slippers and gowns and, you know, tiaras and shit. He came out like a fucking animal. Like he's so different to her. Yeah. Like she would eat the try stuff, just pinch it with her little pink fingers and quietly put it in her mouth. 
he came out and just started slamming shit down his throat the minute he could figure out his hand could move to his mouth. <laughs> well, we were the same. We didn't try not to impose any gender stereotypes on them and remind them that, you know, all colours can apply to all people. But, yeah, my yeah. daughter went to camp today and the first thing she said as, as she walked out the door, she said, oh, I've got too much pink on today. And I said, that, that's because everything in your wardrobe's pink. She's like, oh, yeah, oh, damn. Yeah. And my son, all of his clothes are camouflage or army related. And oh, yes. Yeah, I'm not in the army. <laughs> no, no. My son is obsessed with army, obsessed. Like my I don't son, know where it came from. No, like it's just born into them. Like from the minute he could, like we said, no guns. We don't do anything gun. Yeah, I, I, I tried that as we're being overwhelmed. It didn't work. He would he literally run around with a potato, pew, pew. I'm, like, I'm thinking <laughs> he's watching... You know, saving Private Ryan when I'm asleep or something. I don't know what he's doing, but he's just, he loves it. And he's always asking questions. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That, you know, and he wants to go to war memorials and have a look at that. It's crazy. Yeah. I don't know what it is the dressing up or the action or. Yeah, my son's favorite yeah. place is the Army Museum. He wants to go to the Army Museum. Like one day we were at the beach and um, we're digging a hole, and I said, shall we make a sandcastle? He goes, how about? We come out of the wood and we pretend we just arrived at Normandy. I went, yeah. what? He was four. I'm like, what the fuck do you know about Normandy? That's the thing. It's like you're on this sort of tight edge the whole time. Like yeah. I, Whenever I see anything army or whatever, like my brother was in the army, so mm. he gave him his beret with the badges and stuff that he had. And um, like it was a big thing, you know, and the two of them talked about the army for a long time and I thought, wow, that's pretty special. And um but then I said to my brother, I'm going to keep it safe for him because I also don't want to raise a kid, you know, like there's that tipping point where it's super cute when they're little, but when you're 18 in full camo, it's frightening. Yes. Especially <laughs> if you're not in the military. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, my son, he's got, the latest thing he's got is, um, I quite like it, it's a, it's a camouflage hoodie, so it's all yeah. in jungle green camo. Uh, but the hoodie itself is uh, bright blue, so it's actually terrible camouflage. Because yeah. if you were, yeah. <laughs> if he was yeah, in the jungle, he would, he'd be a yeah. walking headshot. <laughs> <laughs> There'd just be a blue dot you could see in the jungle that you could take out with ease. In fact, it looks like the center of the target. Hi. <laughs> yeah. Can I ask, because you do, and you have done fucking everything in this industry. You've worked with people. You've had a character. Um you know, you you do television, you do just everything. What is your absolute favourite thing to do? Uh, it changes. I really like big occasions um, a lot and I know a lot of comedians don't like it but I love it. Yeah. Like I love when you have to do the gala and you know you've got yeah. one shot at it and you've got to do five yeah. and you're playing to a massive room and you know that hopefully a million people might see it later. Yeah. I like I like that. I like showing off in front of huge numbers of people. I host a game show called Hard Quiz in Australia and I host it in such a way that I'm like, oh, I love the fact a million people are going to see me saying this right now. So yeah. all eyes are on me. This is a time to be dangerous and I like that. Yeah. How good is hosting Hard Quiz? I, I'm a huge fan of the show. Is it your concept? Yeah, I made it up with um, uh, my producers as well. They all had a hand in it. But essentially the idea was just to host a quiz show in an appalling fashion. So to do yeah. all the things. So in every episode I try to do all the things you're not supposed to do. So if someone's winning, I'm annoyed. 
If if, they, yeah. if they're doing badly, I'm thrilled. Um, yeah. You know, just and so you know, I'm I'm never pleased to be hosting the show. Yeah. I, I, you know, I just. Uh, you know, if someone gets it wrong, rather than smoothing it out, I point it out <laughs> and just <laughs> and make make them more embarrassed about it. You know, all the things yeah. that you do when you're sitting at home. Essentially, hard quizzes is a little bit like uh, all the things you say on the couch watching a quiz show. Yeah. I say them before you say them. It's funny when the show has been featured on Gogglebox because often the people sitting at home on the couch on Gogglebox say, "I was about to say that." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I'll, I'll say, there was we had a contestant on who's really attractive, and I'm like, mate, you are so attractive. I think you've broken this show. And everyone on the couch on Gogglebox is going, he is really attractive, isn't he? And it's like, well, <laughs> yeah. I just said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For those of you playing the home game, Gogglebox is where people just sit at home watching yeah. TV shows and then commenting on it. And then I love watching that show, especially if they if they are reviewing a show that I'm on. Yes. So I'm watching them at my home, yeah. on my couch, them in their home, on their couch, watching me on television. It is the biggest mind fuck on the planet and I love it and I love all of the weird characters that they get. It's just everyday people sitting on their couch and they're filming them and I, I could not love that show more. Would you? Well, what makes it extra weird is um, Hard Quiz – features on that show quite a bit and um, that show, Gogglebox, has beaten Hard Quiz in uh, the Logie Awards in Australia every year for about five years in a row. So yeah. my show is in their show yeah. <laughs> and they beat show. my show. <laughs> so I feel like I'm a tiny part of their win because they do show yeah. a lot of my show on their show. You'd like this. So I won the Piece of Wood Comedian's Choice Awards yeah. in 2000 and it was either eight or nine, but it's um like you can tell I'm I don't take awards very seriously. <laughs> yeah, no, no one should. <laughs> yeah, and I think that comes across in obviously what I did with the Logies. Yeah. But with that award, I was I wasn't even at the awards ceremony, and Charlie Pickering, a comedian that people might know in Australia, um, I was at some bar and he came up, tapped me on the shoulder, and he said, "Are you going to the awards tonight?" And I said, "No," and he said, "Well, you should come up, come up." Why don't you come up? Because he was on the committee. That's code for you. You're winning something. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm like, no, no, it's all right. And then he said to me, he said, um, "What would you do if I told you that you've won the piece of wood award, the comedian's choice award? Would you come up then?" And I said, "Oh no, just give it to whoever came second. That's fine." And then, <laughs> and then he said to me, "You'll get to make a speech." And I was on my feet, walking down to the thing. <laughs> well, that's great. But what I yeah. did was. Um, when I won the award, I gave a speech, but just because, and this predates all my Logie shenanigans by yeah. 10 years or something, I gave a speech where I said, I don't understand these awards because there's the most outstanding show, there's the People's Choice Award and there's the Director's Choice. Let's just cut through the bullshit and give out an award for the funniest show. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. And I said, I know how to do it. We put microphone in every venue and we record the volume of laughter and frequency of laughter. We have to calibrate for the size of the room. Uh, there'll yeah. be an empty theatre with a microphone with, so we can get a, what zero sounds like. We'll do it scientifically. Yeah. We'll calibrate for accent because we all know if you're from overseas, you're a bit funnier and all this yeah. kind of stuff. <laughs> and it really kind Very of... mathematical, yeah. I love it. <laughs> but it was funny though because it was just, it kind of, it was met with gasps and a bit of like, yeah. oh, oh, you can't say that. But, yeah, like it. 
how funny would it be if you actually gave out an award for the funniest show? It would just be so. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I just know on this side, Susan Proven would have been standing on the side going, this bastard's never winning another fucking thing at yeah, this festival. There you festival. go. And, 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 and I haven't. <laughs> how do you even judge it? How do you, unless you do that, you know, put a microphone in, but then you have to take so many <laughs> you know, um, elements into consideration, the size of the room, the size of the laughter, the size of the people. It's like it's it's such horse shit. And but I'd, I'd love same- it if they did that and then someone was touring like, I mean, I never saw his show, but Mr Methane. Have you heard of Mr Methane? No. He, he farts into a microphone. <laughs> I think I'd rather see the dick around, guys. He used to tour around Australia in the 90s or, yeah, or maybe yeah, maybe even Puppetry of the Penis. They'd get the, yeah. biggest, they'd get the biggest laugh and they'd win the funniest show in the comedy festival because they yeah. created the most noise. And it's funny, yeah. though, because you'd be like me. I always pay attention to shows that get that that volume out of the crowd. I, I'm really yes. impressed. And people, I think there's a, bit, there's a bit of snobbery with comedy sometimes as to how people get the laughs. I feel like you can do it however you want. Like to actually make a group of people laugh that loud for that long, if you say to someone you can do anything on stage and there's no limits, yeah. which there aren't, man, yeah. however you do it, I don't. I almost don't care. I just find that volume of laughter impressive. Yes. Or be, keeping people's attention for an hour and more, you know, when we live in a society, you can't even fucking go to dinner with someone and expect them to not look at their phone for an hour, but they sit yeah. in a theatre shoulder to shoulder and especially now, you know, sort of during a pandemic and, and people are just listening to you. My favourite thing is when you see people um, laughing so much that their face doesn't look right anymore, you know, that they're just, <laughs> <laughs> they're just completely and their body, they're just like buckled over you. I think, I think they're unwell yeah. but they've just, they've just completely let go of all Everything. airs and graces and they're just completely yeah. lost in it. That's my favourite. In Melbourne I just ran a, you know, test a, Test a set basically um, to like 50 people. Yeah. And I haven't been in a small up-close space like that with an audience for a while. And as soon as I started talking, this woman sat right in front of me with her feet on the stage and she was just, mm, yeah, 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 <laughs> totally. She's just in this co- show, in this conversation. And I it. know because my mum does the same. Like she would literally say, do you hear that? Yeah, I'm sitting right next to you. Yeah. I can hear everything, <laughs> but this is what that woman was like. And I'm just, you kind of have to make allowances for that. And But that's why, like stand-up is my hands down my favourite. Everything else is to feed that, yeah, to get people through the door. Well, I feel like that too, but, you know, as to the side of that is I'm touring a hard quiz, a live version of that show, and yeah. it's so much fun because over the years, I've done a lot of back and forth with the audience and hecklers and dealing with it. Mm. But in a quiz show, they're on stage with yeah. me and they have microphones so you can hear everything they yeah. say. So I don't have to say, sorry, yeah. what did you say? Oh, they just said to me this and then I relay. So it's all yeah. really fast. So I'm enjoying that improvising. But in terms Amazing. of people playing along, uh, yeah. I'm playing to, you know, big theatres of over a 1,000 people who are used to yelling out the answers at their television. <laughs> so yeah. try to get that many people to not yell out the answer has to yeah. prove to be quite a challenge at times. I bet. We had a contestant on in Chatswood in Sydney um, where I had had a few too many, I had two white people and I wanted diversity on stage. So I was saying, can I get someone on stage who's not white? Because yeah. I work for the ABC. So I want, you know, more yeah. diversity, please. 
and someone yeah. put up their hand and she said, oh, yeah. I'm a lesbian and I'm disabled. Will that do? I'm like, that's perfect. You can come up. And then she was on stage and she was yeah. saying, I'm a lesbian and I'm disabled, but my partner's non-binary, so they don't have a gender, so maybe that means I'm heterosexual. I don't really know. And there was just all this stuff which was so good <laughs> that everyone, you know, you get there's so much yeah. commentary about, oh, you can't make jokes about this, that or the other anymore, and it's like, no, you can make all the jokes yeah. and we can all talk about it and we can all, all have of the fun jokes. and we're all together. Yeah. And, and weirdly enough, being inclusive and irreverent yeah. at the same time, it's definitely possible and that part of it has been a thrill. And so in, you know, according to some people, dealing with someone who is non-binary in the audience, you know, obviously that, oh, oh, you, oh are you going to be yeah. okay? No, it's fine because I, I know what's yeah. going on. So when yeah. I was talking to them, I was asking them about what they've been up to and they'd done a TED Talk, which I'm quite proud of, and the, their partner on stage was saying, oh, you haven't done a TED Talk, have you? And I'm like, yeah, because <laughs> I, I, I've got a hit show on broadcast TV. I don't have to slum it on YouTube and absolutely tearing <laughs> her to shreds, you know, and, and a partner who's non-binary. And it's like yeah. this is all possible because yeah. weirdly enough I'm respecting you by abusing you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would be different if it was if just I was like, absolute oh, silence from oh, you. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll just move on because you're non-binary and, and we cannot talk because I might accidentally make a mistake. That's worse. Yeah, yeah, it is worse. worse. That's what I say to people. Like if, if you don't get any, you know, shit or if you don't get any banter, that's the problem. Yes. You know, it's like, oh, we just won't address any of this shit. Um, let me let me get to the meaty part of this. What is the what is one thing um, about other people that shit you to absolute death? Yeah. I hate people who read menus outside restaurants and just use that as the decision as to whether they're going to go in or not. Like, oh yeah, you know the menus printed outside and they read through the menu and and, de- and decide whether or not it's for me. But I've turned that into a fun game because. My wife's a food writer, as it turns out, so we we tend to only go to places that she wants to go. So she, there's been a bit of research that's gone on. Yeah. And often where we go, it's full because it's popular yeah. and great. Yeah. So me and the kids love sitting in a restaurant that's full and watching people read the menu outside, deciding whether or not this restaurant is going to be up to their standard. Good enough. And the yeah. longer they spend looking at the menu, the funnier it is, only to see them walk in and go, could I get a table? No, we're full. And then they put it out. <laughs> They've memorised the menu yeah. by now. And, and I've got it to the point where, yeah, my daughter will be like, look, Dad, someone's looking at the menu and we just watch them read the menu and we love it when they're, especially when they're spending ages and it's a large group and you're like, they're never yeah. going to get in. And they're like, no. Oh, 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 no, well, I quite like I feel at stake. I think uh, we've, and they've finally made a group effort. They walk in yeah. and they're booted out straight away. <laughs> yeah. I love, because you can, all, I love watching those people too, because it's always like one person will start reading and then they call over the picky eater. You can tell. Yes. It's usually they call over like mum or dad or granddad or whatever. Yeah. And then they will have a look and it's like granddad's passing the glasses yeah. to grandma and now she's having a look. And then there's a lot of no's and then. Yeah pointing to the menu, but what about this? You know, you like this. And yeah, I'm the same. I'm like, I once walked into a restaurant and it was vegan. And I'm like, mm. well, I guess we're going to have this experience today. And it was yeah. actually pretty good. They had really good cake. Um, what's the thing about you that shits you to death that you wish you could stop? My cynicism serves me greatly for comedy. It's great because mm. I think about everything in extreme detail and pull it to yeah. pieces and examine it. And that's just how I am. It's probably why I did science. It's not the other way around. Yeah. I didn't learn it from science. It's probably why I did science. Yeah. Uh, 
And so for comedy, that's great. And for hosting the quiz show, it's great because someone will say something like, why'd you say that? And then I'll pull it to pieces and it's all great entertainment, but it can be exhausting in my just everyday life. It can be hard sometimes just to turn off that part of my brain and just go, this is a nice meal. Sitting here and eating it is good. In fact, I did that this morning. I cut up a banana and put on muesli and had yogurt and I was going to read the paper while, I mean, I say paper, but you're not on my iPad while I was eating it. And I thought, no, 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 I'll just sit here and I'll look at the tree. So I actually now I've, for about the last five years, I try to consciously do things like that slowly so that you can just sort of, you can let your thoughts just uh, drift off. So, yeah, I can be bad at letting uh, my brain switch off. But I used to, yeah, I used to do everything all the time, all day. Yeah. And it's a bit bit too frenetic. Yeah. Yeah, I need to. For people around around me too. Yeah. I wear my wife out a bit sometimes like that. Really? I've heard that. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of That's Enough Already, hosted by me, Ursula Carlson, and produced by Natalie Turner. Supervising producer was Nick McClure, and special thanks to Ella Leaf and Big Sutherland. Couldn't do it without you, gals. If you like this podcast, remember to subscribe, share it with all of your friends, tell your mum, tell your sister, don't tell that annoying brother of yours, you know, but definitely share it with a friend. 